0: Before we get started with issue seven, we cut you off a little early. Uh, Peter, ask Kevin the question that you wanted to ask him on the record.
1: Okay, this is perhaps a multi-part question. Um, Kevin, I, I was looking through *Fugitoid* the other night. This wonderful book, and a couple of things occurred to me. We we did all the *Fugitoid* stuff before we started doing the Turtles, and we so. By the time the turtles came around we had like i think 34 or 35 pages of fugitoid art and story and as you know in fact we just just were discussing this um we we dovetailed the fugitoid with the turtle adventures and it occurred to me that the, the the outer space adventure that we had the turtles have in in those early issues had something to do if i'm remembering correctly with the fact that we had these 33 or 34 pages of fugitoid stuff that we had completely finished and we didn't want it to go to waste you <laughs> do, do you remember that being a, a an element of why we took the turtles out into outer space that we that we plan that we wanted to make sure we didn't waste that material that we'd created for a future um
2: you know what i love about hindsight is it's always 2020 um <laughs> um but but when you said that what what immediately popped into my mind um was was this which was when we would have conversations about this kind of stuff it was sort of very spontaneous and it was one thing led to another which led to another which sort of was this um tetris game of like blah 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 blah, blah. and then so it might have been a combination of, of of everything you said in that um you know uh that when we started the fugitoid which you said 100% correctly it was pre pre turtles and it was designed as poster comics um and uh, uh and i think we i think we touched on it before it was yeah when you look at those early chapters, it was, you know, the, the front page and you fold it over and you open it up to this thing. So when you look at the chapters and I think there's, like you said, four or five chapters, mm-hmm. uh, probably five that end up with that, that similar layout with the, um, with the, with the spread in the end. And then I think it was around the time of discussions of the Utrams coming into play, the origin of the ooze, our mm-hmm. uh, love of star Wars, um, Hey, wouldn't it be funny if we took him out of space? And it was like, so, hey, you know, if we took him into space, we could also bring Fugitoid into the mix. And so I think it was just this wonderful combination of happy accidents. Um, that was a nice evolution of oh my goodness, because we we love Fugitoid. It was our first creation. Uh, it'd be great to bring him into the Turtle Universe, and it'd be great to this. We have all this work done, um, and it was just a, a really neat vehicle to um, to tie that character into our our bigger picture universe and also play in in, in George Lucas land, you know, to, to go to Star Wars and and yeah. do that kind of stuff. So I do think it was I I I feel like it was that it was a a number of um, fun conversations and a happy accidents that led to that all coming together mm-hmm. the way it did. And um and I had said before, I still love the fact that just about every version of the turtles has been done since the early days and entertainment is um Is is pretty much included fugitoid, which has been Mm -hmm. awesome.
1: Well, that's cool. That's pretty much the way I remember it as well. Um, And I want to say that I had not looked at the fugitoid comic for a number of years, and I was really taken with the fact that when you look at this early stuff that we did together, you can. And, and you compare it to say issue one of the Turtles, you can really see our separate hands more, much more clearly in Fugitoid than in the first issues of the Turtles. And it's kind of amazing actually that by the time we did that first issue of the Turtles, we had already figured out somehow of blending our work so that in large part, you can't tell the difference. You can't tell, except for certain specific things Panels and, and so forth, you can't really tell who who did what, and, and I just wanted to point out that it it really is interesting to see the the, the way the artwork looks like looks in fugitoid compared to that first with the turtles.
0: Down down the road we should look through that uh, with with you guys if if you're you're still game to hang out and have these these chats with us. Sure. Uh, yeah. b- before we really jump into the issue, another thing you mentioned the utrons and one mm-hmm. of the things that I was curious about, like when you guys were doing this, because as a kid who comes at it much later and sees Krang on TV, it's always mm-hmm. a brain, like a, a brain character. But did you guys, when you're designing it, did you see, did you design that? Is it a a brain design? Because I feel like it doesn't play up the braininess. It's a more of this mounty thing. So like, how how do you see what what is the Utrum? Is is it a brain character?
1: Well, speaking for myself, I, I see it as a, a creature that has a sort of look of a brain with tentacles and a mouth and eyes. Yeah, um, but not actually a brain. Right. I don't yeah. know, Kevin. You feel differently about that?
2: No, no, I, I agree. No, I think it was um, it
1: was another one
2: of those happy accidents, and and the and the and the, and the not only the. Uh, the creation of the the design of the Utrons was Peter's, but the 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 exoskeletons that they lived in was was a, a total concept that Peter um, designed those those robots, and it it was just one of those. You know, who the freak knows where we saw something maybe in a bad movie called Critters, or we saw we saw this thing and said, hey, wouldn't it be funny if these guys were like this? It'd be like this crazy you know little squishy thing and of course they would have to hide in on earth and so disguise disguise himself and it's like you look in uh i think as we get into some of the origin yeah. of them here you see the guy sweeping sweeping the floor in a store and he's got this shifty look on his face and he's a neutron he's the exoskeleton with this guy. and i think it was just uh really fun i don't know it was, it was just sort of this again uh, um we liked the idea and that's all that really mattered. And, uh, that, that was kind of, that was, that was a fun part. You guys established, I think I think... go ahead, Peter.
1: If memory serves, I think the whole brain idea came, came about, uh, in the, uh, for the first animated series. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and we mentioned Peter Chung before, like he, he designed a lot of that stuff. Like he designed that version of the body and that mm-hmm. April O'Neil and, uh, you know some of those other elements man
2: uh, thanks for sharing that too because honestly it um, um you know uh, um i had forgotten that and uh you know being a a a, a, a fan later of a lot of peter chung's work and, and stuff but i had forgotten that he had some involvement um in, the, in those early days of, of doing that kind of stuff um that was neat to see some of those sketches and some of the stuff that he brought to bear. Yeah, about... kind
0: of, kind of tongue in cheek. We we interviewed him uh, a couple of weeks back, and he was kind of tongue in cheek. We asked him, uh, "Did you work for Murakami Wolf? Was it a freelance thing?" And he and he was like, "Yeah, I worked for Mur- Murakami Wolf." And he was like, "I felt so bad for the toy company to spend so much money on this Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles. Like, like it wasn't gonna go anywhere. You like that was like his thought at the time or something like that." And he was laughing because he was so so clearly wrong uh, on it man but we were taking a look at the uh, storyboards for that opening scene and, and had him had him talk about his choices and things pretty cool got the classic kirby opener dude from the 70s era splash mm-hmm. page double page spread used to incredible freaking effect right here man selling the scale you established a tcri building a couple issues back probably issue four that's a complex structure, and now we got to see it at a bunch of different angles. Right. If it was a Piscor rug production and Jimmy came up with a building like that, I'd be like, "All right, Jimmy, you're drawing that building at all those angles."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, it's funny. I was. Uh, I don't want it to, to sound like a digre- digression, but I, um, I. I I talked to this artist once, and uh, he he'd show me. Um, um, this design for the spaceship that he had drawn for this particular scene of comics. Honestly, it was, it was Bob Burden, Flaming Carrot. And uh, he's a wacky guy. Love, I, I adore him as a, as a complete nut job, but he had designed this really intricate spaceship that the mystery men or some allies of the mystery men are going to use in the Flaming Carrot comics. And it was great. But then I said, but that's not the ship you use in the comic. He goes, no, I didn't want to, I didn't want to redraw it in every panel. So he came up with this really lame looking simple ship that he could redraw instead of doing something really cool Mm -hmm. he did something lame because it was easy to redraw (laughs) and i always felt that when peter and i would imagine these scenes and we never shied away from if you're going to go big go big go all the way in if you want to show a scene like this We didn't let the fact that like, oh shit, we have to draw it now. It was, that was an after effect that we grumbled about maybe later going (laughs) like, oh my God, I have to draw more people in the scene. But it was um, story first and sort of, we needed to show that to make the rest of the story work, which is a lot more intimate and close up. So um, I don't know, I love that. We um, never shied away from that stuff.
0: You guys sell the lighting, like just the brightness of what's happening up there with these very strategic... Uh, duo shade, like using... Uh, is that the dark value? Yeah, I guess there is some of the dark value. Yeah, it is the dark value to just really give you that contrast. You got white, you got the darkest gray at your disposal, and it feels bright. Yes. Yeah. So good.
2: Definitely a uh, Ghostbusters, you know, before the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man shows up. Okay. So.
0: Totally. And there's even uh, some good attention to scale, too, man, where you have these super tiny figures and then the figures on the roof have to be a little bigger Mm -hmm. tough tough drawing you guys are man you guys are kicking ass Mm -hmm. because like even these terminator uh like these these robot uh designs like that that completely goes with what you were saying earlier kevin about like you know it's not as simple a design now you're drawing five of them on a page
2: Mm -hmm and and for the entire whole rest of the fight scene there's like they continue for the whole rest of the issue yeah yeah yeah.
0: incredible i mean it's literally everything in the kitchen sink man you got you got dinosaurs robots turtles how could you not love this goddamn comic jimmy little formal (laughs) play right here with the dutch angle with Mm -hmm. the dutch angle lettering
3: getting steve involved yeah man
1: yeah, that's Jim McNaughton again. Yeah,
3: it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Jim's back. He's the resident
0: uh, talking head man.
2: Yeah. He's the reporter. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, this what is a what a fun a, issue, and um,
0: it's a yeah. great part of the comic too. Because you got the turtles, you got you got the uh, the Utrons, you got the Triceratons, and you don't know the dynamics. Is it to turtles versus all of these guys? Like, what what is the deal? How about that punch, dude, with the head clear off, Fantastic. with the with the uh, gizmos and shit coming out, man? You feel that energy?
2: Thank you, Jack Kirby. We're
1: <laughs> <laughs> his... on page uh, seven. Yeah, yeah, that's cool.
2: I, like I think. It. What do we? I, I remember at some point, and what I what I remember that page with the Triceratops punching the robot's head off um, was there was some comic, and you probably, you might remember, maybe not, but I, I think we both laughed about it. There was something Kirby did where the superhero punched a bad guy in the head and he punched it through the wall. So it was like, there was a wall and he, mm-hmm. punched, oh, God's head goes into the wall. And he right. was like, so dark then, we just thought that was, classic Kirby, you know, like yeah. he punched him so hard his whole head went
3: through the wall. <laughs> and,
0: There's you know, a lot did... of a lot of words on these pages. It makes me think that like you guys you get it all in here because we're going other places next issue. Mm-hmm.
2: There was a lot to cover and it was yeah. really, you know, I think cause some of it might have been, I think some of the writing might have been like that in part for maybe a little bit of catch up right from maybe what happened in the previous issue but also the exposition of what had happened to when they were beamed out and brought back and stuff so i think we just really needed to 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 us and i think i said sort of the i guess i call it story first kind of approach where you know um a lot of that stuff was written and 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 done to satisfy us right um, it made sense to us as a, uh, as a story, which, you know, hopefully would translate um, as best we could, even with, you know, comic book science and, and, and logic at times, but it would, needed to work as best we could make it work and wanted it to work.
3: At this point, this story is, um, it's continuing from previous issues. So were you thinking about like, it's somebody's first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles gotta, gotta make sure that's welcome to a new reader also.
1: I don't remember ever, consciously thinking that way maybe unconsciously but definitely not consciously i agree Uh, yeah
2: no i think it was um some of that kind of thing came later um you know it would seem like uh i'm saying marvel comics and dc became you know as they were getting up into the one hundreds and even approaching two hundreds. I remember, you know, Jack Kirby coming back to Captain America just before issue 200 of Captain America and things like that. So I think there were, it was a mechanism where sometimes they would recap Captain America's origin leading into part of a story. Um, and it's still done today as, as an effect. But for some reason, I think we didn't really do that as much. We We were still letting it evolve. We didn't feel like you needed to know all of that um you know if you were if you were if you're into the issues and buying the issues um great and and um, i think uh comic stores back then often had um bigger uh, the best part of a comic stores back in the early days was back issue bins
1: i agree in fact that I was just going to say that we were we were operating in a time when if somebody had not gotten to the store and bought the last couple of issues, and they were reading this one, and were really intrigued by it. They could probably go back to the comic store and get those missing issues. Unlike when Kevin and I were kids, you got your comics off the rotating rack in the in the drugstore, and that was it. Yeah. You know, if you wanted the the last three issues, you, you were basically out of luck.
2: Yep. It's so true. It's, uh, you know, it's funny as I even look at occasionally I'll look at the, uh, whoever is one of the main writers on say the big bang theory, which often Mm -hmm. will show the guys in the comic store looking through this back issues bin. It's, it's a device to, for them to converse and, and, and exposition for the story, but it's just funny because it, that kind of thing really hasn't existed for a long time, but I love that it was a throwback to what Pete just said to not to repeat, but it was, if you wanted a back issue of something, you know, it was either the comics buyers guide for maybe buying it on, you know, this mail away for it if you couldn't find it in local comic stores and sometimes um, on new comic days, Pete and I and some of the guys would go to multiple comic stores in the same day just for looking for something and just as a, a hangout day between all the guys um, doing stuff together.
0: Real estate's pretty cheap here in Pittsburgh. and and thankfully luckily we still we still have that culture pretty well represented here in town, man we got the back issue bins, but they are thin you know they mm. are they are thin and when I revisit them, they didn't they're not replenishing <laughs> those nexus comics that that got uh, sold yeah. you know one of the one of the great pieces about the comics medium are these silent moments like this where no words on the page, this kind of battle can communicate you like you have no idea how what the passage of time is. This could be like but a glimpse of a ten minute battle. When you introduce words, it cuts that moment down into a unit of time. Maybe maybe this the length of saying the word ha or something. But then you have like a moment like that where you linger on that and it just you got you gotta drink that in.
1: And I, I just want to point out once more, this is the genius of Kevin Eastman. It's uh, these layouts are amazing.
0: It's great storytelling instincts.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. I love seeing the turtles' expressions too, because you don't even have (laughs) eyebrows to, uh, to, you know, to give those eyes some kind of emotional (laughs) expression. But you still figure out a way to do it here. It's probably the first time we've seen them in this kind of like, you know, not a squinty like fight badass eyes. And
0: it's an important big moment. It's the first splinter we've gotten in about three issues. Yeah.
2: It was a big moment in the story and that was, yeah. You know, sometimes in, in, um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. In, in, um, you know, from time to time, people have come up at shows and going, Hey, uh, you know, I remember when you did these particular panel on this particular page and issue number, you know, XYZ, and it was great that you, how you really, um, conceived foretold and forethought and really shadowed this and this and this and this aspect and what you covered just in this moment before you were doing this and this and that was like and if you could see me it'd be a big wtf above my head, <laughs> question mark going yeah that's that's exactly right we meant to do that um
1: it was
0: all planned <laughs> it, was all, it was all planned <laughs> you know i I, di- I didn't take it there man but but like there is the the joseph campbell's campbell stuff that is like the reunification where like you have your group you split them off you bring them together but the conceit of joseph campbell is that he himself observed all of these disparate stories and boiled it down to like these essentials that just happened to be coincidentally connected amongst all the most important stories of all of human history so Mm -hmm. it's like there's this like built-in thing that we have as humans and 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 there's that instinctual part that just resonates with us. Well,
2: for many years I thought Joseph Camp was the guy that made the soup. Yeah. <laughs> no, the uh so much of that stuff was really just instinctual. So sort of for for peanut we wrote the moments and, and created the moments that we liked and, and and you know, we I feel like we can honestly say we didn't ever sort of say hey if we did this if we did this i think the fans would find that really interesting right um it was more like the stories that were being written were were, were ones that we liked and we enjoyed in them having those kind of moments were were things that we liked about films and pop culture and all the comics and 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 so when you set up that moment it was uh, again i i have read joseph campbell and i love his philosophy and 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 on on this kind of stuff, but it was sort of me, by the time I read that book, it was analysis on on reflecting back on movies that I'd seen in the past and say, oh, well, that makes sense how that connects. But it's something that was not read beforehand. And we, like Pete said quite comically and appropriately is that we planned all that because we we just went with what we liked and that was very, um, you know, it just, it completely proves our absolute genius and brilliance. (laughs)
0: <laughs> one, of, one of the things that i love about uh this issue with the sort of world knowing that the tcri building has some shady stuff going on and i remember this from the first time i read it as a kid where like the television of the day and a lot of pop culture uh when you would be introduced into a world it was a world of secrets that the world didn't know about that like okay just you know Mulder and scully are dealing with this but the outer world like doesn't know about this stuff or just the fact that the turtles exist that's like april knows nobody else the the mere fact that everybody knows that this tcri building is shady when it was introduced as like a secret to the turtles where they were like this is weird to make it an epic thing that like the new york at large is dealing with was different than a lot of pop culture that was done it at, at that time, for sure.
2: <laughs>
0: just a note, well, just an observation.
2: Well, Pete, do you think it was? Because um, I know we both love those early Fantastic Four comics, and mm-hmm. all I can remember is like that crowd gathered below the Baxter Building, going, "Oh my goodness, what's going on up there?" <laughs> <laughs> um, everything goes back to Kirby, man. I'm sorry, it's just. Yeah. Uh, so true. And it's, so true.
0: it's such an epic deal too, man. That there are like four-star generals on the ground there. who Like like General Patton is there. <laughs> Try, trying to deal with some things, man.
3: It's great to cut in and out of the building too. Yeah. To get both perspectives of the people on the street that are trying to figure it out. And now we cut back to the turtles. Because they're sort of in the same, in a different, but they're in a state of peril. And it's great to go back and forth. That cross-cutting is really good for story, uh, you know, as a reader.
0: We're doing a lot of catch up on this spread here, with with Splinter uh, giving the turtles a scoop of like what life was like when they when they were split up. A lot of words on this page, and mm-hmm. and uh, I think of like the Orzakowski lettering on a uh, Chris Claremont X Men that would have maybe double the freaking words, and he would have to have such a small kind of uh, point size for his, for his hand style his font if you will the mere fact that levine has a pretty broad size uh aims guide set up to give these letters a lot of space and ma- it makes them more readable it makes it a more enjoyable reading experience than the Ooh. squat tiny squint your eyes tom Orzakowski lettering Ooh. on a uh, comparable like chris claremont page
3: it does well, get th- into drawing
0: but, space, but as a reading experience, man, it's it's good.
2: Well, I think because uh, Pete always worked on the final, the final script before lettering, and I think even after, you know, we'd have discussions, and then um, there'd be the layout process, and then by the time we, when when would actually approach, um, lay, doing some of these panels, there would be um, a bit of that, um, making sure that there was. Room for what we wanted to say, yeah, um, uh, text-wise, and then still um, uh, room to to get the right visual across. So it was definitely a lot more um, careful consideration for for what we needed for exposition and what we needed to, to tell in the in the text portion because it was considerable. And I think that you know, as much as um, you look at those text blocks and you go, oh, you know, but I think for people that love to read and read these books that that was exciting because in that you know it was in the middle of the story where you're showing pages with a lot less text but it's the action sequences where you don't need extraneous dialogue and information that sometimes would be thrown into say more mainstream comics but when you got to the pieces that needed to cover very specific things we needed to have that that text and that part of the story told to make it all make it all come together so yeah it was uh um, we- would it be
0: uh, would it be Kevin Eastman layout past a Steve Levine letter and then pencil? Like like what was uh, the procedure?
1: No, we would pencil it first. Okay. I, I think it's probably worth pointing out that Steve is really kicking butt on lettering in yes. this issue.
0: Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, he's grown leaps and bounds from like issue five, mm-hmm. which okay, went, well, no, that's Kevin Eastman lettering uh there would be like he you know here it is like the the aims guy's kind of going all over the place a little bit in two issues he's he's fully there man he's he's got he's got good uh bolds uh what we know to be steve levine lettering is is here 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 goes here goes our uh, shady (laughs) janitor utron with the with the shifty eyes
2: no, that was, um, yeah, that was, that was, uh, you could see a lot of things connecting there. And it was, um, you know, we were getting better at um, um, all of those elements. Cause you know, like, you know, you're looking at, we're coming up on probably, uh, I'd guess around 300 pages of storytelling.
0: I'll tell you, man, you're on page. Uh... 276 of the of the big compilation so you know yeah. there's just some other micro series in here and stuff but yeah that's a good number real close to 300
2: so i think there was there was definitely a steady evolution of um you know us us learning more about the craft you know again um we were the writers the editors um the artists um but also uh, oh this is that chat it's Chet. Or- <laughs> You're Chet. okay, Chet,
0: <laughs> and you make him a real punk too, because he's got like such a curly, like Richard Simmons-ish kind of hair. Like it's a it's a young boy whose his only friends are the turtles, probably <laughs> that he had in the fish pool. I can see that. This,
2: it's so funny because it looks like his he's like Chester, look out, huh? And he's like my turtles has a TCRI canister, and then it looks like his his father when he says, "You okay, Chet? I'm sorry about your turtles." Guess they wouldn't have survived that fall. <laughs> right, let's rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get you some new ones, okay? And Chet's crying, but his father is obviously Jim Gordon from Batman. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but no, that was... Uh, yeah, no, it's funny because you know, even looking at this issue was... Uh, it's pretty interesting because when you're looking at these blocks of exposition and what's being built and told um i think peter and i had had, had pretty much decided that we wanted to wrap up this storyline that started in the um uh the epilogue of issue 3 and and it kind of went all the way through that everything to wrap up everything we needed to connect all the dots it was which included Here's the secret of the ooze, if you will. Um, here's the Utram backstory, uh, fugitoid. We even recover, it's funny we just talked about this, we recover the turtle's origin um, as how it specifically dovetails into the TCRI canister, the ooze. Um, so it's sort of the Utrams being the creators of the ooze that actually created the turtles, which fully connects them. So it was a, a lot of turtle universe, connecting the dots, if yeah. you will, um, and building that foundation, which honestly is a uh, structural foundation that's been used again for probably every, yeah. every version of the turtles sense. Um, but it all really came you know, together in, in this issue, um, where, where, where it's all makes sense and everything fits and, and, um, um yeah, that's, uh, it's pretty astonishing. I forget because that's, you know, I've always loved issue seven. And it was, um, I loved them all, don't get me wrong, but it was just sort of one of those um, I had forgotten until we go back and do these moments where we go, yeah, that was really, um, there was a lot that went into that issue as far as, um, you know, big total universe structural stuff. See,
0: seeing you guys get more and more comfortable with the duo tone, duo shade uh, is, is evident on, on every single page. And one of my favorite things that uh, I see you guys do at strategic times. Usually, got a heavy light source right here. but uh, you'll do double lighting with the duo tone. And what that would entail is it's, it's counterintuitive to like when you're a little kid and you're learning shading where it's like, here's the light source. Mm-hmm. and then you go light to dark, where the darkest is the furthest away. But on like a double lit surface, the darkest point is actually closest to the lightest point. So you hit the edge of the duotone with the darkest gray and then you have the lighter value away from it and it creates that 3D illusion that is just it, it really sings in duotone when when that goes down and it's not needed always because there's not such a harsh light pointing at them but you guys are are always on it whenever it's it's time.
3: It's
2: a it's a tricky thing and again, you know, um he was the one that introduced the opportunity for the shade to be brought into these and i loved it and i still even to this day when i still use it i i tend to overuse it um uh, which is a bit frustrating for me because i do look back at some of um the stuff that we're doing in some of these pages as you pointed out which you're right there was some it was a lot more delicate and there was a, a more um specific use of it without being overused because um, um, i i do tend to when I'm doing, de- I've actually used it recently for some, some package designs and some other stuff for NECA is doing these really wonderful, um, uh, Mirage studios based characters. Um, and, uh, so I've just, I've done some, some new illustrations just for the packaging using the duo shade and I tend to use it like watercolors, um, mm. in that, you know, laying too much of the, the, um, the, the lighter tone down and then you know, and and then putting the dark in for shadowing without letting the 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 white of the paper come through, um, and using it more of a highlight, and then you know that three tone, um, you know, um, light, medium, dark sort of thing. It's it's it's. my am pointing out of my own frustrations, but I do. Think, I love that you pointed it out because I think it was done to to some really great effect in this this issue, the way it was it was handled.
0: Yeah, more often than not you guys use it for lighting and shadow rather than using the gray as color. But there will be some examples of the gray being used as color. Now, I'll, I'll point that stuff out. And what I mean by that is just like a, a flat surface of the gray to communicate just a different tone than like the rest
3: of the scene. Uh, some of the so- background here has that effect that you're talking about, Ed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's a good separation. Now, these little guys right here, they even show up in uh, the arcade game, and as, and as a little kid, I freaking love drawing these things, man. Like I would, any comic I made had bad guys that were the. I'm assuming a Peter Laird design of oh, these yes. like little one-eyed alien robot deals.
2: Oh but, yeah, that was totally Peter. Yeah, that was awesome.
3: They look like dogs almost, except yeah. for the three. You know that they're right. tripods.
2: Well it's just it's really clever because you look at you know, you look at that panel like the the, the the one on your right you're looking at, and it's like you see, you know, as the as the soldiers walk into the hallway, you just see these interesting shapes, which we didn't color in a duo shade. You see these interesting right. shapes on the wall, suddenly they flick and A-too! they shoot out. <laughs> and as they shoot out, they sprout these legs with these, you know, frickin' laser beams on their hands. <laughs> so they shoot out with these laser beams and uh it's a defense mechanism so it's just sort of one of those in line thinking of you know the tcri aliens ha- hiding in in plain sight so if your average person walked into that building they wouldn't know that was a defense mechanism but it was yeah it was very very clever i love that, and that, sto-
0: that yeah and story wise we're gaining empathy with the t with the uh, utrons so they are not bad guys it's established so we discovered that the gimmicks are set to stun Mm -hmm. we're not just destroying the young boys of america who have uh, who who have volunteered their services for our country they're just paralyzed
3: for 10 minutes this whole sequence is really interesting because we've seen some really great fight scenes and now it's almost like a war battle scene and it's it's pretty impressive how well your ruled lines of gunfire really create that chaotic like back and forth and sense of a gunfight totally and as, as illustrators like you have to be
0: a, you have to be considerate of tangents and things like that so you have these these lines that hit from panel border to panel border but you have to be conscious enough not to like match those up on the mm. next adjacent panel or else you create crazy weird tangents and stuff that's handled real well and that's not always a consideration
2: for people. I think I I would definitely point to stealing that concept again to jack kirby um in uh when he would do these uh losers comics um dc comics the the losers or even commandy it's like he would do these manic gunfights where you would see he would do the whole straight line bullet effects going everywhere and it just lended to i thought it was wonderful that lended to the dramatic layout of the panel where a characters running through a scene and you're seeing bullets just whizzing by left right and center and that was the only way to really show it that way so i'm i'm, I'm sure that was that definitely harking back to um you have
0: you seen that video before?
2: have
0: you seen that video that theekston shot probably in the 80s with kirby talking about his experience in in war and he goes back and forth and and like kirby on every interview such a humble magnanimous mm-hmm. guy when he's uh, in that interview, like he says, it was a fucking bloodbath. Like it all comes back. He's like, it yeah. was a fucking bloodbath. And there's, you got this guy coming at you. He looks like a butcher. He says, what are you supposed to do? It's hardcore. It's amazing that that record exists. And then yeah. it makes you think like probably the safest spot to be. Is at your house? Mm-hmm. What's your family? At the drawing table after those <laughs> stories, man. Go make a hundred thousand pages after that because the alternative ain't that good
2: <laughs> continuing the no, show no there was actually a and pete and i talked about it once it was a a book done by tom Scioli. is that right pete? yeah he did an autobiography of kirby and i think he's did one on Stanley, which i haven't read, um, oh, it's I very read new, yeah. one a couple times but he he was interesting he did a pretty decent job and you know would say that it wasn't endorsed by the kirby estate or anything like that but it was a um, it seemed like it was done through a a, um, very detailed and intensive amount of research through multiple articles and conversations and interviews and and things like that and so when they do cover kirby in the war years there's some pretty pretty wrenching scenes in there Mm -hmm. Uh, and stuff that that, that it's referred to in and, and again it's in comic book form, but it's it sort of you get the idea. But it was uh yep, which um so,
3: hey, go, so go man, yeah, we're page. coming up yeah, I, we're coming up on the big escape. Yeah. I love this scene. As the utrons are like leaving their their robot bodies <laughs> right
0: yeah just skittering you could almost hear them like this like this panel jumping up onto the little platform
3: it's stuff. it's such a freaky visual of like all the bodies kind of like kneeling down and just you know shutting down or whatever it's it's such a cool looking and just a small panel like a quarter of a page but really great looking
0: you guys the design sense man creating all the i mean they we're at issue seven and there's two dozen cool designs Built into this comic already. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> and our guys are zapping off. So it, it's it's the it's the it's a bait and switch. Like uh, the Utrons were all like, "We're it's all good. We're cool. We'll help you." But when the moment when it came down to it, we're out. Yes, turtles, you're you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny, man.
2: It's you know you want that. You want that nail biter, you know? It's like uh, we've all been there in the movie theater when we've seen those things come down to the the bomb clock ticking down to zero, or you know, totally. the things coming in as you know the as the Death Stars right, you know, rounding the moon and they're about to set up and blow away the rebel base and um,
0: yep. More great lighting in duotone, you know, like you got the center of the the Utron is uh, in illumination there. Clearly selling the lighting from that, you know, from that little whatever whatever, you teleporter all the way throughout, catching the back of the turtles and just seeing that haze of light. And then this panel is the ultimate Mm -hmm. where you use both grays to great effect, doing feathering. Yes. What happens to a brush? Like, did you have dedicated brushes for each of the chemicals? Yes. And what happens to the integrity? Of said brush after being exposed to those chemicals over time. Like, would those hairs start to melt or? <laughs> um,
1: I don't remember that. Uh, maybe it's because I, I haven't done any shade in a long time. But uh, I don't remember the brushes being damaged too much from use.
3: Hold on one second. Oh, I can't wait to see this because we've seen like caps of the old chemicals and stuff and like the stuff that forms you know that like crystal version of those chemicals pretty nasty
2: so there's a so i was doing some some work with the chemicals recently here's the light tone and my little i got my little case because you don't want to spill it so i set them in this case so i can do it and, and here's the here's the dark tone and so what i developed over time was um because the brushes are pretty you know you just wash them out but i have one same size brush and this is the light tone and then i put this really high-tech piece of scotch tape
3: yeah
2: (laughs) on this one that lets me know is this the one i was using for the dark tone Mm. (laughs) so yeah so then i put those in my that's my complete nice complex complete with the blues brothers sticker here um <laughs> that's my complex duo shade system that's that's, that's so cool <laughs> but, to see man but you had to be careful and that was something um pointed out early on pete who had used it before said you know you really have to be careful to not mix mm. brushes with the chemicals because then you end up with dark tone yeah um uh, for everything and then it was um oftentimes uh, i believe the approach was light tone first and then once you sort of got through a number of pages using light tone then you would let that dry because it it would dry pretty quick but you let it um set up um and then go back and add dark tones later
0: yep. and then even some white media over top like like this mm-hmm. piece right here yep
2: yep Yeah, pete's the first one that used the airbrush for some of that like on his turtle second turtle cover and stuff like that but, right uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, we'll always get concerned for you guys uh, when you start to vaporize that goddamn chemical. Cause like, there's a lot of instinct built into our senses and the sense of smell and like what it does to your head if you have a smelling soul. And that that uh, dark chemical is so rancid smell, pure sulfur when you open that thing up. Pretty
2: to be very careful. You know? It's like the like those old markers back in the day. The like the Pantone markers. I remember oh, yeah. those? You start think- seeing. You know, having conversations with little fuzzy bunnies on your
3: desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did
0: they not? I, I mean, I think they they took those off the market. I think I think they caused some trouble. Oh, I'm sure A yeah. <laughs> Couple more Frank Miller news scenes, man, to to wrap things up. April is at home, cold chilling. Yep is is she? She's not it a newswoman it. at this time, is she? Like, oh, well. yeah, she just has the thrift store and
1: stuff she never is in the comics right
0: right yeah yeah, yeah. amazing it's, it's cool to see how they like what they use and how they retool things because even the uh the transportation teleportation thing you know that becomes a big deal to get guys coming from dimension x and all that kind of stuff rematerialized tmnt inside her nice deep <laughs> bathtub yeah <laughs>
2: Well, the I love that it has a toilet paper roll built into the side of the tub. Sweet. No, the um, but, no, but I love that. Yeah, April was always designed from issue two is to be a basically a scientist um, right. based person, a technology scientist person. So, and the second time around, shop was definitely something that was uh, we um, was something that her parents owned that we um, um, built into to her history for a number of reasons. Her apartment was above it, and that kind of stuff that became more of a a thing, but this was a, and I don't know where this whole idea of them all being beamed into the shower. It was just maybe a funny thing that like you know maybe something from Star trek or some- you know if you accidentally beamed into the wrong location, wouldn't that be funny you know if uh, but um it was you know whoever programmed it quickly as they were trying to make their escape that they um
1: it know. feels it feels to me like something you came up with,
2: yeah, it's. A <laughs> your favorite goofball (laughs) it's
0: a it's a good coda it's a good uh comic relief for the whole thing man all of our guys are back together again uh all is right with the world it has the capper on it this is the end of a multi-issue story that in real world terms maybe took a year for you guys to make from the end of issue three to issue seven How, how long do you think you were working on this thing this epic
1: well, that's a
2: good question. I, I'm not well, sure. Was, well, we say um, issue three, it started the epilogue of issue three. So you have all of issue four, Yeah. Issue five, issue six, and this is issue seven. I, I'm guessing a year plus, you know, yeah. it, it, probably because we, we would spend, I feel like about a good solid three months producing a, 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 each individual issue. Um, and I maybe maybe a little less, maybe a little more, but I feel like it's around that neighborhood. I think, honestly, I, I feel like I might be in a little bit more um, time-wise because it was a lot of work. But um, but I would say, yeah, twelve to eighteen months um, to to get through to do to do all that. Yeah.
0: So outside of this exact issue, but during that same time period, if you remember, was anything else? Interesting happening with the turtles' development outside of the comic. Uh, were were you in talks with TV people, or is is Friedman part of the picture now? Do you think is there is there a comic that from the Eastman Laird run of this first like twelve issues or whatever, where you look at that those pages and you remember, okay, this is this is like right when we first met him and gave him. The Prime Slime tails, dudes, freaking plushie of the turtles, and sent him packing to go make something happen.
1: Uh, I, I can't think of
0: anything.
2: Yeah, the, um, cause I think what was the date? Because this was, uh, I'm looking at the cover. This was 87. It looks like the artwork on the cover is the painting was 1987. Is that right? So that would have been, and I think, you know, again, um, digging deep into those little you know um those very old brain cells um right this this potentially was around the time that we 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 had the first conversation with mark and and there was you know a number of things going on i think you know again our our universe was still kind of mostly focused around um, the ongoing comic um, uh, that we were doing at Mirage and things, other things that Mirage were doing, especially we were expanding the publishing. Um, I think the evolution of some of the first comics color editions were evolving around that time. Um, There were additional role-playing games that were being developed and released. um, So I think there were a number of factors all slowly floating in and around without any honest can't, you know without any specific you know say well this happened then and this happened then but it was a lot of it was evolving and changing and in happening in and around that time that we were uh, but yeah i think still the the focus was 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 pretty solidly on the comics um you know
0: uh, the 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 indicia uh peter is that is that issue seven that, that you have in your hand uh, this print? is
1: the, it's the uh, second printing i believe
0: Okay, okay, because I was wondering, like, if it's if it's uh, an 87 release, we were just looking at the ad from, from issue 6 for when it was supposed to come out, and it's supposed to come out in March of 86. March 30th, 86 is when mm-hmm. it's supposed to be on sale as per this ad, but if it comes out in 87, that suggests you guys got a bunch of months' worth of other stuff going
2: on.
3: Mm -hmm. i wonder too it's possible that's a typo the 86 part
2: right well what is it i was just looking the only thing my only reference to the 87 it looks like the but that would be weird because it looks like the cover dated i i signed it um and there was a date right on this piece of machinery here yeah
0: it says 86
2: oh it says 86 okay see that's my I need new glasses. Oh, uh, okay. Huh. Okay. So no, that's right. So that that makes total sense because okay. I was looking at the cover and I go, and I honestly can't see. I can't see it. <laughs> but I was because it's pretty kind of dark, really small in the. Uh, yeah,
0: and you got color on it, I'm sure.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You can't see. it. Nobody could see. Yeah, I was looking at this 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 version here, and I thought it said eighty seven, but you're right. Yeah, no, you it's three
0: it. it's three dots big that eighty seven on on your uh, piece, man. <laughs>
3: Fantastic. So,
2: so that makes sense, but I do think sometimes. Um, you know, we might have had more optimistic release dates in mind, sure. although we were probably working on it by the time issue six hit the stands, um, as evident from when we had the cover. Um, but it is possible um, there were some delays, so it might not have been, you know, March 30th, specifically 86, but I'm, it sounds exactly right that it would have come out in 86, and that would have been, um, I feel like, around the time that we we would have met and have the conversation with mark because it was the role-playing games that initially led mark to coming to northampton um,
0: uh, okay but, we have a first print around here man thanks to alika seki of maui comics uh and you know it's a first print because it's uh teenage mutant ninja turtles and other strangness because they don't put the e at the end of strange uh on on that one man it's the reprints that get the strange spelled correctly a lot of interesting a lot of. Uh, eastman laird artwork in that that is not ever seen in the comic it'd be cool to check check that stuff out with you guys uh but gotta thank you for uh talking teenage mutant ninja turtles with us again with teenage mutant ninja turtles issue seven kevin i know it's uh, i know it's travel time and uh con schedule stuff's going on i'm heading to japan myself jimmy's got some travels happening within uh the the next bunch of weeks but we would love to get back together with you guys whenever all the schedules align and do another round of turtles talk i feel like before we get to the dave sims stuff we should continue full eastman laird stuff with uh the micro series uh comics because they come before where the regular series will will go eventually Mm -hmm. but uh if you guys are game, man, please, let's let's do that. And uh, speaking of travels, Kevin, can you let the people know where they can meet you?
2: Yes. Um, uh, my home address is... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, the, uh, um, Pete's home address is... No, I'm kidding. No, the um, um, We are doing a couple of shows in the next uh, next few weeks. Um, but if you want to find out where we're, where we're touring, what we're doing, um, please pop by studios.com. And he's got a tour schedule there and, and the latest uh, information on nutty goings on, um, kind of thing. So, but yeah, South Carolina coming up this weekend and then amazing Las Vegas the following weekend. So, but yeah, um, check me out there, say hi. And, uh, and, uh, if you're at one of the shows, please come by and, and say hello.
0: What kind of stuff you have co- going on in print? You said you were doing some of those, uh, some artwork for those NECA design toy deals, but how about uh, any kind of comic stuff that you want to promote anything like that?
2: Um, honestly, I'm still involved in the ongoing, you know, the IDW stuff. That's, that's uh, an ongoing thing, but I, I really had a blast finishing up Ultimate Collection 7, which, uh, covers a lot of the, uh, uh, earliest years of, um, uh, um, Kevin Easton and Peter Williams covers from the early issues to the role-playing games and the Archie covers and Mirage Volume 2 and some other fun behind the scenes. Um, there's, uh, um, 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 There's always talk about more reprints. I, they have recently started releasing through IDW, these mega collected volumes. I don't know if you've seen them. I just got the first one in and it's like, it's like, um, it's like a bigger, heavier bulletproof version of the, the first run, you know, what was the when when Peter and I passed, like the one you're holding there, we collected uh, all 11 issues plus the four one shots and fugitoid, I think are all in that one volume, which has been reprinted a few times. Um, um I know, uh, um, and fugitoid might not have been included in that. Yeah, no one.
3: fugitoid.
2: In here. Fug- fugitoid was the one that Pete did later, I think, uh, did another version, an updated version and, and fugitoid was, was, um, placed, uh, appropriately in the, in the, in the continuity. Um, but this particular version that IDW has just released is, is, um, it's even bigger and thicker and crazy, um, but yeah, no, um, it's always something. And uh, you know, I've got other projects going, but it's um, try to stay busy and out of trouble mostly. If if and you had, any, excuse to, any excuse to draw is always fun.
0: If you guys had to guess, the amount of Ninja Turtles ones that are out in the universe across all reprints, all collections, it could it be twenty million? Could it be a hundred million? Like, what what do you? Th- you guys get the royalty check, so you should have some small sense of the scale. We don't make
2: royalties. I don't make a. No, we haven't made. We don't make royalties off that stuff. But back in the early days, we did. But.
0: Sure. Like, like, do you have any idea? Like, could it? Could it? Is hundred million crazy? Two hundred
1: million?
2: One one billion. <laughs> one
1: billion. I, um, I I don't think it's that many, but I I really have no firm evidence of that opinion
0: yeah it's a it's wild you know,
2: it's funny the um it, it's a good it's a good question um but it's, it's funny as i all i one of the questions that comes up often at um at, at conventions uh when i do signatures i'll often do a little turtle head sketch and people will ask from time to time how many of those have you done and that's when i'll go one billion <laughs> head um but over the years you're coming up on 40 years of Signing autographs and doing um, those little remarks and and, and those things—it's it's it's considerable. But I have noticed, um, I will see, I will always see um, a certain amount of early turtles comics. People that really hunt down the um, and oftentimes these days to CGC them the the issues one through four. And a lot of times, it's very rare that I see an issue one first printing um you know a few more um issue twos and and more issue threes but at this point i feel like after 40 years it's getting to the point where i can't imagine there's many more of those left that we have not signed that's so fascinating um Mm -hmm. you know because i think it's just uh just attrition you know it's like we've you know i've been out there doing it for a long time you know it's funny to be like you know do a show and um you know Argentina and have a first printing show up and you go like, what the, you know, but uh, it's a small planet in the end. But, uh, so yeah, I think head sketches and, you know, the number of turtle comics out there are pretty, um what what was, um, what was Mark Friedman's favorite word, Pete? Infinitesimal. <laughs> he says that in a documentary a bunch. Yeah. The, the possibility, am I saying it right? The possibilities are infinitesimal or something. I don't know.
1: Infinitesimal? Infinitesimal.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was one of those Mark Friedmanism. Like I was commenting on. Uh... Anyway, was it, it's, it was yeah, infant. It's infinitesimal. I have to look that up, but it was. um But I, it's a lot. If, if and...
0: yeah, it, you know what's interesting? Like the, one of the times he uses that in a documentary, it was, I think it was like, infinitesimally small that you guys would have like. a a run of figures it would be like maybe you'll have a season but like to go beyond that like he was using it sort of against the thing and then it was like using it that adjective like for the turtles like okay like the sky the sky sky is the limit and how interesting is it that like that comment that turtles issue one left your hand at some point found its way to Argentina and you're like revisiting like a little piece of you that you touched however many years ago that's some wild stuff man Mm -hmm.
2: Was you know, I think it's um, extremely small and infinitesimal. I think he was comparing it to um, yeah, it was infinitesimal. Um, but it was comparing it to the the chances of success, right? uh, In all things considered, it was it was one in a million, a one in a billion shot to um, you know, like winning the lottery. It's you know, my chances of winning are infinitesimal, or You know the success of turtles, flicking the way that they did with the fans, the way that they did is is, was was pretty thing. But I, I, it always stood out. It was I love that word. It was like um, put put it on a t shirt or something. You know, I am infinitesimal. I don't know, but uh,
0: it's such a there's a lot of letters. Like you got to be broad shouldered fella to be able to spell that in any readable format. Man,
2: he went he went to college.
0: Peter, whenever uh, you have something new going on, could you come by and uh, let us let us know about it, and we could help up uh, pr- promote those works or those appearances or anything like that.
1: If I ever have anything like that, I will be happy to share with you. <laughs> there's been
2: rumors, and somebody mentioned there's been rumors of Pete and I going on a bus tour across country, but uh, I don't see it uh, not right away.
0: It would be fun.
2: It would be fun. You know, like if like what was it um, who used to do that? madden right didn't the guy mad oh yeah that's guy?
0: right yeah and he wasn't a flyer to fly
2: he just took a bus tour we do a bus tour and we'll uh go cross country and show up at denny's in different places and make people come and sit and know i do but that would be fun <laughs>
3: style your rv like the turtles wagon yeah dude could <laughs> <laughs> you imagine a
2: jari tour bus painted Ooh. up like the turtles van
0: and then Playmates will monetize that and have the little gimmicks that you could buy. Thank you guys so much for uh, stopping by, Kevin. I know you're 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 on the road yep. tomorrow, so I'm not going to take any more time from you. Thank you guys so much, and let's uh, let's do it again in the nearest future possible.
2: Happy to do it. Always
0: Thanks, a pleasure, guys. guys.
2: Looking forward to the next one.
0: Take care, guys. Bye bye. Take care.